Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Purpose Filter Podcast. Today's episode is actually a live stream that I recently did with a colleague. Her name is Lauren Zalewski. She runs a Facebook group called Attitude of Gratitude for people with chronic pain or illness to really focus on how to live a purposeful, meaningful life with chronic pain, focusing on things like gratitude, meaning, and we talk about those things and much more in our time together. It's a great episode. Stay tuned. there, Grateful Gang. Thank you for being here tonight. Welcome to Gratefully Living the Chronic Life. I am Lauren Blanchard Zaleski, and if it's your first time joining us, welcome. I come to you each Thursday at this time to um, bring you guests, authors, experts, doctors, anybody that has some wisdom to offer us and how to live our best intentional, grateful lives despite our struggles. Um, Many of us live with chronic pain and illness. I run a community on Facebook called Attitude of Gratitude with Chronic Pain. So if you guys from AOG are watching, hello. Thank you for being here. Um, You can find out more about me also at gratitudeaddict.com. You can find out more about the group and some other stuff I'm doing. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest. Her name is Dr. Kathy Zhang. Hi, Kathy. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, I have to say how we met because it's a funny story. It's always a funny story. I, I kid with my audience, those that have watched before. I usually find like a book or an article or something I love and I stalk my guest. Um, I, I find somebody I like. But with you, it's, it was a little bit. Di- I still stalk you, but it was a little bit different. Um, I belong to a group. We both belong to a group on on Facebook, like a podcast collaborative group. And I, I don't really go in there, but they they host these like mixers. And um, I didn't go to the mixer, but an email came out and I happened to open it, which I never do. And it listed who was there and um, and what what the person, you know, what their expertise was. And your name popped out at me, Dr. Kathy Zhang, palliative care physician host of the Purpose Filter podcast. And I just knew I really wanted to get you on on the show. So I did stalk you, but um, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. And it was really funny because I had technical difficulties on my end. Like I didn't realize I needed a desktop to join the virtual mixer. So I actually didn't mix with, or yeah, I didn't mix with anyone. Oh no. (laughs) The thing at all. I just like, you know, you start off and you have to write a little bio. And so literally you were the only connection that I made from that. Really? Kind of wild, but I'm glad we're doing it. Yes, me too. So Kathy has this amazing podcast called The Purpose Filter, but why don't don't you um, introduce yourself, Kathy? Because I won't do you justice for sure. Thanks. Um, So hi, I'm Kathy Zhang. I'm a physician. I am am trained in internal medicine and I worked as um, a physician in the hospital taking care of patients who were sick enough to be hospitalized. And I did that for about four years and I really enjoyed it, but I felt like I felt like something was missing. And so the 
kind of more I dug and the more I learned, the I felt that there was something calling me in a sense to palliative care, which is a field in um, medicine that cares for seriously ill and or terminally ill patients. And that kind of uh, it also involves the umbrella of hospice, which is patients kind of who have a less than six, six month life expectancy. Um, so I've been doing that for a few years and then COVID hit and, um, obviously everyone's world kind of turned upside down. Um, I really struggled just because, I mean, normally I see a lot of, um, death and dying in my field, but just with COVID, it was, um, unbelievable. You're in New York city. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And so we had that first surge um, before the rest of the the country did, and it was um, it was really just kind of overwhelming. I can't even imagine. Yeah, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where I can, with therapy and coaching and things like that, I can talk about it now. But I've through that experience, I kind of learned that doing what I do has helped my life so much that I thought, well, you know what, maybe I do have something to say about how we look at life and things of that nature. So that's why I started the podcast as a way to kind of help people see life in a different way. Um, And I think that has just been a really fun journey so far. So I've really been enjoying it. Again, the podcast is called the Purpose Filter Podcast. I'm kind of new to the podcast world, I guess, because I'm ancient. Um, but you know, your I was telling you before we went live, I really, really enjoy yours. You you um talk to topics that really speak to me, but um you you know, the angle you come from with what you do, you know, living with chronic pain and illness isn't you know, I, I'm not terminal. I mean, we're, I guess we're all terminal in some way, but not, not, um, you know, imminent. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so I've got to imagine it puts things into perspective, but, but the way, like you, you did an episode I listened to recently about, um, um, finding not, not your, um, not your power of attorney. I forget the way you worded it. Mm, yes. The, um, the healthcare proxy. Yes. Healthcare mm-hmm. proxy, like really important topics that we wouldn't necessarily think about. Um, but your topics range, but, you know, living a life of purpose, you know, you, you're dealing with patients that are at the end of their, their life. First of all, you know, saying kudos to you doesn't even seem you know, strong enough. It, it takes a really special person, in my opinion, to be able to do what you do. Um, I, you know, I am an empath and, uh, I, you know, I, I guess you probably have to be an empath, but are you able to like compartmentalize? Like it, it must be so incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I thought I'd be good at it was I was always very much like, you know, I'm really good at compartmentalizing. That's the exact word that I use, would describe myself as. I'd be like, no work emails come to my phone, like very strict separation of what I called like work and state, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I was like, no, I'm going to leave work at work and I'm going to go home and I'll be fine. And then <laughs> you get in it. And my first, my very first patient was a young Chinese woman who was like around my age, 
also an only child because of, um, you know, the policies in China with, um, you know, raising children and having a limit on the number of children you could have. And she was dying of cancer and her parents like flew from China um, and they were both trying to protect each other in a sense. Like she didn't want them to worry because um, she knew she was dying and they didn't want her to worry because they knew she was dying and that sort of thing. And I was helping to care for her and act as an interpreter. Um, and uh, at one point, like the, um, the, the mother was there and her father had gone home and um, they lived kind of like right across the river. So it was a 10 minute car ride and she was getting kind of imminent. So we were like, Oh, you know, um, I told the mom, I was like, maybe you should have your husband come just to be here for her final moments and things like that. And she's like, yeah, it's going to take him about an hour to come. I was like, what do you mean an hour? He lives literally like right across the bridge. And she goes, well, he doesn't speak the language. He doesn't know what bus or train or whatever to take. He's going to have to walk across the bridge an hour to get here. And I just like totally broke down, like in the corner of the intensive care unit, just like sobbing, (laughs) just, just being like, you know, and then all the, um, you know, her, her other physician, her other doctors and residents came up to me. They're like, oh, palliative care. Like, how was your conversation? I was like, I'm fine. And she's like, Give me a minute. They're like, I don't know how you do this. I was like, I don't know either, clearly. Um, so that was like my first foray into it. You get a little bit more, um, I don't want to say used to it, but, you know, in, in a sense, it, what I will say, it, is it normalizes death and dying in a way that um, I don't think we do in our culture because we're all so, you know, death avoidant. You right. know, we say the word, we call it, you know, the D word or something like that. Um, and in many ways, I think of it as like, you know, if we, if we don't talk about it, in a sense, we're giving more power to it. You know, by naming what it is, by naming what's uncomfortable, we take that power back from whatever it is that we're scared of, from whatever it is that we're, you know, uncertain about, whatever it is that we're fearful about. Such a good point. Is it, it, I would imagine it it must be different in other cultures. Yes. Have you found that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, culturally, um, you know, there are a lot of cultures, especially I think some of the more Eastern um, philosophies that are like, it's just a process, right? Like born, you live, you die. And in many other cultures and religions, and um, there's the afterlife. So life isn't necessarily, um, you know, they're just like, well, there's more. This one isn't necessarily even the one they want. They're trying to get to the the other one, that's the ultimate goal, I would imagine, right? I know in, in a lot of religions it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So how did you, you know, go through medical and all of that? How did you end up in this field? Um, what, what drew you to it? Is it, you, is it the human connection? Um, I, yeah, I, you know what it was? It's, and I think it's also a reason why I um, 
started doing the podcast is really the stories. Like I remember I would just, I, I would have 20 patients that I'd have to see in the hospital and I would spend like a couple minutes, five minutes like with them. And I just felt like I wasn't really connecting with them the way that I wanted to. And I remember there were just like be a couple days where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to sit intentionally and just find out a little bit more about this person. You know, like what did they do for a living? How many like children did, did they have? Like, you know, what are their hobbies? Things that you you're trained to do in when you're um, getting a history from a patient, but then, you know, they come in and time flies away from you and those sort of things um, you don't focus on them as much. Right. You know, when I wasn't in palliative care now we do because the whole thing about our field and what I love about it is the focus on the whole person, right? It's not just the physical it's, and it's not just physical pain or physical symptoms, right? It's also this concept of the entire person, um, emotional, psychosocial, spiritual, mm-hmm. religious, existential. And so we are relieving suffering for these people from a much um, broader perspective and not just, mm-hmm. yeah, and not just what they're feeling physically. Right. What a interesting take on, I've never thought of that before. You're so, that that's so powerful. You're right. Because they, they, you know, they're, they're going. So it's, it's so much more than just, you know, giving them medication to keep them physically comfortable. Right. I mean, I would imagine the reactions you get from people, you know, span from fear, acceptance. Like I, I would imagine it's gotta be a very wide range of reactions and the poor families, right? Yeah, it really is. And I think that's also what I love about it too, is that like, you know, everything in medicine is real, but this just feels so raw. Oh yeah. You know, just everything is magnified. Like if you want to focus on the negative, like anger is really magnified when patients are sick and dying. But if you want to focus on the positive, like, there's so much love. There's so much strength that you see pour out of patients, pour out of family members when something like this is happening. And it's just so beautiful to see. I mean, it's it's challenging in, in many ways. And at the same time, it's also incredibly meaningful to be able to just bear witness and just sit there. Even, you know, and sometimes, you know, we're trained to say, helpful things and comfort people and things like that. But sometimes there's nothing that we can say that's going to make things better. Right. But at least we can be present. At least we can sit there with them, maybe in a little bit of discomfort and say like, just we're here with you, you know, that's gotta be incredibly difficult in dealing with families who are so really fearful. I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's, um, anger, anger comes out, but it's really fear. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be difficult on so many levels for you to have to deal with that. I mean, that that's very talented. It's not the right word, but it's very noble. I mean, it's gotta be so difficult. I can't imagine what's the difference between hospice and palliative care. That's a great question. So, um, I like to describe it as 
palliative care is kind of the umbrella that hospice falls under. So palliative care is really um, a way to care for a patient at any point of their illness, if they have a serious illness, um, heart failure, cancer, advanced kidney disease, advanced lung disease, things like that. So we can be involved at any point from diagnosis all the way up until the end, which is hospice. In a sense, you have to qualify for hospice. So um, that's usually reserved for patients who are expected to live less than six months. So really, oh, really? terminal um, end of things. Okay. So mm-hmm. when do they come to you then if, if they're they're not necessarily terminal when they mm-hmm. come to you? Right. So um, I work specifically in the hospital. So I'll see patients when they're hospitalized for, let's say, um, their chemotherapy treatment or you know, sometimes patients have a lot of symptoms when they get treatment for, let's say, cancer or whatever it is. And we can help with symptom management. We can, you know, help them feel better. Like a lot of patients get really nauseous. A lot of patients get a lot of pain from various treatments. We can help with that. And, you know, our field, we also are really good at helping with dealing with everything that's coming at you because it just you know, and I'm sure your community knows, um, even if it's, you know, if it's, whether it's chronic or serious or terminal, an illness is an illness Mm -hmm. and it can be incredibly life-changing, Right. you know, and it kind of just throws you for a whirlwind and you're just kind of like lost in the weeds. Yes. And so um, a lot of families and patients find that it's really helpful to talk with um, people from our team to just be like, what's coming up ahead? What do I need to be prepared about? What, um, you know, what's important to me? What are, what are some things that I need to consider going forward so that I can live the way that I want to? And I think that's, what's really important is, you know, helping people live the way that they want, helping achieve the goals, um, of treatment of, you know, being able to make it to see their granddaughter graduate from college or to the holidays or whatever it is, right? right. It's not necessarily about, um, you know, time or that sort of thing. So you you kind of take all the information from the various doctors and you kind of can compile it and uh, what a gift that is. I've, you know, just being in the hospital you know, several times you see so many different specialists and it's, it's difficult to tie it all together. What, what a gift, um, that is, you know, I told you the first time we met, which we booked this months ago, but the first time we met, one of the reasons why, um, you and your podcast attracted me is I, I love this book, the five regrets of the dying by Brawny Ware, which mm-hmm. came out and I've shared it in attitude of gratitude with chronic pain several times, but, um, she was a, and you know, feel free to correct me, but like a palliative care nurse, I believe, mm-hmm. kind of interviewed thousands of patients over the years and kind of asked them what their their regrets were, you know, as they were dying. And they were, um, one was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Mm-hmm. Number two is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three is, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Mm-hmm. Four is I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And five is I wish I had let myself be happier. 
And that's why I love your podcast because you take all that information that you you get from your your um, work and and you share it with the audience, those of us who are living, how we can live our best lives now. You know, li- live a life that we get excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's and like I said, I've learned so much from just proximity, right? Just being around. Um, these people and hearing their stories, it's really changed my perspective and my life. And, you know, it's, and I was like, why don't we just bring all of this um, just decades forward, decades earlier, 20, 30, 40 years, because, you know, sometimes when, when patients are faced with their own mortality or the possibility of that, there's just kind of like all the BS fades away, like all this the right. that you think that you are really important or that you have to worry about just really aren't that big of a deal in a sense. And right. then so much clarity that comes from it. Um, and there's so much and patients derive and their families to derive so much meaning from just having to face these challenges no one wants to go through it. Um, and in many ways it just, it changes who you are because of what's happening. So, you know, that's why I love being able to bring those concepts to people who aren't necessarily at the end of life, because there's just so much that we can learn so much gratitude, so much, um, that we can, change about our daily perception of life and stress and emotions and things of that nature. And it can really just amplify our lives in a way that we never thought possible. Oh, I love that. Amplify our lives. I love that. That's perfect. Um, unfortunately, we had, a, we had a member of our, our community pass away a few weeks ago, Michael, um, who had lung cancer, and he knew he was, he was going to pass away and he, he would attend our weekly live chats. Um, so grateful, such a message. And he really helped us, um, those who attended, put things into perspective. Like you said, you kind of realize like, you know, cliche, but not to sweat the small stuff. Here's a man at his end, at the end of his life. And he's talking about gratitude and how he's showing up to a a chat, um, you know, to chat with women who are in chronic pain also. Like he, he could have just given up and he, didn't. And it's moments like that, that really help me at least to put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the topics you talk about each week on, on your po- on your podcast. What can we do to live a life of purpose? Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I just want to show you guys again. So on Instagram, you can find Dr. Kathy Zang at Purpose Filter. And uh, she, her podcast is available, Apple, all, all the places, but um, if you want to go to the purposefilter.buzzsprout.com, you can find the various places. I don't know why our names aren't showing up. Our names are supposed to show up underneath, but this is Dr. Kathy. <laughs> I'm sure I did something, but I'm, if I touch something, who knows what, what will happen. So um, no worries. No worries. So let, let's take some comments. Guys, see some coming in. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for being here. Hey, Shannon. Hello. Pamela, thank you for being here, Kathy. Facebook user says thank you for your gifts and for sharing those with us for sure. Appreciate sure. Um, so tell us, did the podcast come during the pandemic? 
during the pandemic? Oh, your podcast just started like July, I want to say, right? Yes. Um, like uh, late July, early August. So it's only been a few months, actually. Okay. Yeah. So. And is it healing for you to be able to do that based on what you've just been through with, with COVID and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, um, I'm a... I'm not necessarily a verbal processor. I'm more of a journaler and, and I write, but in many ways. So I did a actually like a 9-11 special episode because that was a fairly um I listened to that one too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was a fairly kind of traumatic time in my life because I was very young and my school was just a couple blocks from it and you know, um that sort of thing. And I I will say that just having done it the episodes um, and just hearing other people go through and have the same emotions that I did um, even now, like decades later uh, has been really therapeutic in that sense. And I think that's what, that's what's so wonderful about what you're doing here too, is um, you know, we, we know that connection mitigates trauma, right. And our, our instinct is to just, shut everyone else out and just be like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Um, I'm dealing with something. Right. Whereas it seems counterintuitive to just be like, Hey, I'm going to open my heart and, you know, tell you guys and share with you my pain right. and um, everything that's happening to me. And then in that way, you don't realize that you're slowly um, opening yourself to being the possibility of being healed in a sense. So, so true. I realized, you know, before I got what I refer to as my second chance at, at life, not almost nine years ago, I, I didn't talk about my pain. I, I was afraid that, uh, well, a lot of things. I, I thought it would be depressing to talk about my pain. I thought people won't understand anyway. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But, you know, then I developed a severe alcohol problem and things did not go very well for me. Um, so going to rehab, you're forced to talk to people. And luckily I was fortunate enough to go to a rehab with a chronic pain program um, that helped me to kind of develop tools, enhanced tools to deal with my illness, which is how the group sort of got started. But I didn't realize, really realize how important connection is that that feeling of not feeling alone in your feelings even though in the group itself unless you're at the live chats we don't discuss the specifics of our conditions because there's that natural need to compare right. and our pain is our pain whether you stubbed your toe or whether you've got terminal cancer you you are entitled to your pain so if we just take that off the table and just assume hey we're all in pain where do we go from here we work with things like gratitude and mindfulness and and all of that. Um, so with with your message, what are we doing wrong in in American society? Like we, I know I just finished a book, you know, on, on living with intention, but we go through life a lot, kind of just on autopilot, don't we? Very mindless and not paying attention and not necessarily happy in what we're doing. What are some of the things that um, we're not doing correctly in your opinion. Mm. Well, first, you know, it's not just American society. It's just being human. I think. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And autopilot is exactly the right word. You know, I think we, um, 
get so used to certain things, whether that's positive or negative. I mean, habits and routines after a while just become unconscious. We don't even realize what we're doing. Um, And especially things that end up hurting us or making us feel um, less than, you know, our best selves in a sense. So one of the really important things that I love about my field and one of the messages that I like to share is just um, the just being intentional about whatever it is, um, intentional about how you spend your time, how, you know, the things that you put into your body, the um, information that you put into your brain, right? Or uh, intentional about the mental energy that you spend on things that are productive for you, things that help your mental energy and things that sap, um, you know, your vitality and your energy that way too, because we don't even realize what we're doing. Um, people, people as well, energy, uh, vampires, right. People that, that suck our energy away and and getting rid of toxic people can be so helpful. I've found too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're exactly right. It's not just things. It's not just, um, inanimate objects. It's, people as well. Um, So I think being intentional, um, another thing that you guys talk about a lot is just gratitude, right? It's that, that, and part of why I called it the filters, it's the lens of which, that which we look through life. Um, Life has everything in it, whether bad or good. You want, if you go through life with you know, a lens that looks specifically for anger and hatred and, um, you know, strife and war and that sort of thing, because that's, you know, what you're always bringing into your body, because that's what's, you know, you're always thinking about, then everywhere you look, people are going to be angry, people are going to be hateful, people are going to be nasty and mean and unfair and all of this stuff. And that's, you know, a really difficult way to go about your life. Whereas, you know, if you intentionally choose to say like, okay, I know that the world offers good and bad, everything exists, but I'm going to purposefully choose Mm -hmm. to look for a happy thing. I'm going to purposefully choose to see if there's joy or find joy in my own life. I'm going to purposefully focus on, you know, love and ways that I'm loving and ways that I receive love and ways that other people are being loving. So I think that is been a huge help for me because um, especially now it's just like everywhere you look, there's tons of bad news, right? There can be. Yes. Right. Yeah. And um, but you know, some of the most popular um, Instagram or social media accounts are like Good News Movement, I think, um, yeah. or like Upworthy, right? And it's just heartwarming story after yeah. heart story, and like yeah. you know, dogs reuniting with veterans, and like yeah, I know, you know, I children know. just like hugging each other for no reason, and yeah. that sort of thing, and. I think people really connect with that because they're they're searching for more of that in their life. 
not realizing that, you know, in many ways it, it already exists in our everyday life, you know, in our ordinary moments. I have so many patients who, who are just like, I would give anything to just, you know, like be able to sit up in bed and not feel like I have to constantly vomit, you know? And, and, or like, I would just, I would do anything if I could just like stand on my own without passing out because I'm too weak, you know, treatments or because my disease has gotten so bad and that sort of thing. And then it makes you really think like, wow, you know, they would, they would do anything for a bite of ice cream. Right. And here, you know, I'll just take myself as an example. Like here I am, you know, like moaning and uh, about like, I don't know how stressful my day has been mm-hmm. or how much work I have to do or, you know, how dirty my house is or whatever it is. It puts things into perspective, not necessarily to say like, oh, it could be worse, but to just try to look on the other side and be like, okay, you know, there are things that I can be grateful for. And, I think about that all that stuff all the time. Right. You know, I, I say this probably just about every week, but my my rock bottom found me in a, in a hospital after a, crashing in a DUI, driving in a complete blackout, and I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that day, it was both the worst and the best day of my life. I I um, know that I very well could have killed somebody that day or myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's like my baseline. That's my, you know, I, I can, no matter how much pain I'm in, I can look back on that and say, I could be in prison. I could be dead. Um, you know, anything's better, no matter how much pain, anything is better than that. So I, I think about like, even when my legs are hurting, I'm like, well, I can use my legs. I can walk up the stairs. They hurt, but I, I can use them. And maybe tomorrow I won't have use of my legs. So I, I try to think like that. And you're right. That is, that is kind of what we do in the group because, you know, we're as a human society, as you know, we're hardwired to default to the negative, um, the fight or flight, um, mm-hmm. response. Right. So, so it's, it's ingrained in us to default to the negative. So it requires work and a practice to be able to think, you know, gratitude, such a hot buzzword that people throw around. It's not just like a, a hashtag that you throw at the end of something. It, it it's a practice. You can't just say you're grateful one day and expect to be grateful. You have to kind of work at it. And then eventually you start finding more things. Your eyes and your heart are more open to things to be grateful for. Um, you know, and even though I speak from the place of chronic pain and illness, I think we all struggle. Every single person struggles with some kind of pain, emotional, physical, um, whatever. So it really helps to put things into perspective for me and, and tools like gratitude and intention, affirmations, things like that. Any tools that I can find that can help me along this journey to find joy in this life, that's that's what I want, you know, and, and that's what you provide on, on your wonderful podcast too, Purpose Filter Podcast. If you guys are just joining in, we're, we're here with Dr. Kathy Zhang, who, um, has the most lovely voices you can tell. So you listen to her podcast. You do once a week. Um, 
Well, yeah, it, it should be once a week. Let's just say that I'm not, I'm uh, only human and. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a doctor. <laughs> you're a little busy. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to keep it more consistent, but I, I love what you said about how hard we are on ourselves in a sense, like our, our brains, right? Not just us, but our brains just make it really easy for us to feel negative emotions and really easy for us to just be like, you know, um, like, oh, today's it's not good or, you know, today's a bad day or whatever it is. And then we um, are so used to kind of being like, all right, I'm going to go down that spiral instead of, and then we make it so hard for us to feel good, right? We have all these expectations, um, you know, and I have uh, kind of, I have a chronic um, condition as well, but like we have all these expectations that we're supposed to be a certain way, right? We do. That like, oh, I shouldn't be sick or I shouldn't be, I should be healthier or I should be, um, not the way that I am. I should be able to do this. Right. Right. You know, and then you get into the comparison. I as well, like, Oh, well that person can do that. And this person can do that. And if only I could, then, you know, then you expand, expand upon that. And then, um, it, it can, it becomes so destructive. Right to lay all these expectations that we have on ourselves that we made up because we thought that this was the way that our life was supposed to go. Yes. And then, you know, we, we suffer for it because our expectation doesn't match our reality. And I think that's, that's the first episode that I ever started with um, because, you know, it just came to me that like, that's a huge source of tension and um, challenge for people in so many aspects of their lives, right? When you feel like things aren't going the way that you think they should, when you're unhappy with your situation in life. And it's usually because there's some sort of mismatch between what is actually happening and what we think should be happening to us. Right. Acceptance. Acceptance mm-hmm. is you don't have to like your situation, but you do have to accept if you want to move forward. I found if you want to move forward and grow, you have to accept things as they are at this very moment. You don't have to like it at all, but accepting it and and getting out of your right, that, that comparison, um, you know, nobody thinks that they're going to grow up and develop a chronic condition. You know, it's not something you dream about when you're a young child. Um, right. So a lot of us get very resentful. Um, many of us, and I wanted to ask you about, about this too, as far as living with purpose, but many of us lose our, our jobs, um, families, spouses, friends. But a lot of us, when we lose our jobs, we feel like we lose our identity. We, are, we feel like we are wrapped up. Our identity, I should say, is wrapped up in, in our occupations. Um, how would you respond to that? Um, I, I love, oh, sorry. I've got an eyelash in my eye. Bad timing. Sorry. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. That's what happens when you go live. Um, <laughs> um, I, I love what you're bringing up because, um, I think something that I really struggled with as well during the pandemic, um, and with my own condition is, uh, exactly what you're talking about, the identity issue, right? 
um, because we, especially in many, many cultures and Western society, like you are what you produce in a sense, right? You are what you achieve. Right, exactly. Um, and so it becomes so hard to separate the self from the external achievements, the external um, productivity, right? And then compound that with an illness that you, you know, sometimes when it seems like it takes up so much of our life, you don't realize that, you know, you kind of, it becomes you or you become it in a way, right? Like you identify as I'm an alcoholic or I'm, you know, I have chronic pain or, you know, I'm a cancer survivor or a cancer patient and it becomes a part of your identity. And I think in many ways that can be helpful to push you forward, but in so many ways it can be um, a hindrance because if anything goes wrong with the identity that we've built in our head for ourselves, and this happened to me in medicine, I was like, I'm a doctor. I'm a palliative care physician. I should know how to deal with patients who are dying. COVID patients are dying. Like I should be fine. Right. Right. But I wasn't, I was just crying all the time. I would, you know, probably I had some suicidal thoughts at some Hmm. point. Um, Not surprised. You know, I was having panic attacks and, um, but I think the separation of self and our own identity and really trying to figure out who we are out without these other things is really, really important because, you know, if something, if I identify so much with my condition and then something happens and triggers a flare up or whatever, then my whole life comes crumbling down around me. Yes. Right. Like, Oh my God, you know, I am my disease. It is me. Like I'm worthless because it's happening to me or like my life is terrible because, you know, um, I'm flaring up or whatever it is. And, um, we, I think we have to be really careful about that specifically because, you know, if you really want to think about it, it's a part of your story, but it's not you. Right. Right. Exactly. So what kind of work do you think we can do to to develop that realization. Um, you know, I, I, I know what, what I do, but what would you suggest? You know, what kind of work? Mm-hmm. Mind, mindfulness, journaling? Um, I think on a broad scope, I would say anything that helps, that makes you feel like you can get out of your head, right? And a little bit more into your body, a little bit more into your heart, whatever it is for many people that's journaling what for many people that's being in nature, um, you know, getting back to things that you really used to enjoy as a child, I find can be really, um, play. Yeah. I wrote about that in my, my next book, the importance of play and being silly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, um, as children, obviously we aren't, exposed to a lot of the things that we are as adults and um you know it, and in many ways it's 
that that's why they call it unadulterated in a sense, right? Like it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of pure and without the um, hindrance of living life as an adult and the responsibilities that you have to care for. And yeah, they're fearless. They just yeah. Go yeah. They're pretty much fearless. Right. And kids are just going to be like, I like that. I'm just going to do it. Right. Or, you know, this makes me happy, even though you're just like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, dirt. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, I think anything that can help us feel a little bit more like ourselves. And I think everyone has kind of an internal barometer of things that, um, you know, you can kind of tell like, oh, this feels like something that I would like, or this feels like something that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, I think the more that you use it, the more that you fine tune that, the better and stronger kind of like a muscle that it gets. Yeah. Like something that puts you in a state of flow, right? Mm-hmm. And art therapist on a couple of months ago and talked about, you know, things that you kind of, where you lose track of time, things that bring you joy, where you lose track of time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting some great comments here. I, mean, I want to make sure we get them. Mary says, thank you for sharing your experience with Hi, us. Many aha moments in your combo tonight, ladies. Thank you for the points to ponder. Thanks, Robin. Hi, Robin. If I could not, yes, if I could not be in a classroom any more than who was I terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting out of our own heads for sure. Yes, that, that's a big one. I've found, um, at least within our group, I, I mentioned we offer these live chats on Zoom a couple of days a week. That helps me to get out of my head to have that connection with others who um, even if we don't talk about our, our conditions, we, we know they're, they're there for me that um, that connection really helps me develop my sense of self and my sense of worth as well. Um, you know, because being, being alone, you know, it's sometimes you can get, I can get into my own head and, and talk myself into crazy things and, and you know, tell myself things that we're, we're our own worst critics, aren't we? You said that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think focusing and remembering that we're humans um, and like we all are like self-worth is inherent in a sense, right? We don't, uh, I think we all put so much expectation upon ourselves to do things because we think it's going to prove something about who we are on the inside. And I, you know, I um, am class, I'm a classic example of that, right? Like I'm in Chinese American um, physician, (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, um, but I, I think remembering that, you know, we're already worthy is probably one of the most important things to feel like, okay, this is who I am. I don't need to prove anything. I can do things because I want to, mm-hmm. not necessarily because I have to show that I am you know, successful or that I can achieve things because I'm trying to make up for some deficiency that I think that I have. So that's such a good point that you brought up 
um, because I think a lot of us living with chronic pain and, and illness, we do feel like we need to make up for things. You know, if we're no longer bringing in an income, we feel very, we have, a, we put a lot of guilt on ourselves and I'm not speaking for everybody, but a lot of us feel, put a lot of guilt on ourselves. We feel like we're no longer useful if we can't contribute in, in certain ways. Um, it, it's a really big issue that we, we need to jump over that, that hurdle. Um, you know, and, sh- and you were talking about, you know, sharing our vulnerability with each other, I, I think is a, a beautiful thing. And I think, I, I feel like I'm starting to see a trend with it more, but I think things like Facebook and Instagram, although I'm on it and I'm grateful for them because the community exists on, on Facebook rather, they can kind of add to that whole how things look on the outside type thing, right? And you're seeing everybody's highlight reel, but you're not necessarily seeing the ugly warts that, you know, exist. And I'm attracted to the ugly warts. When somebody shares their ugly warts with me, I feel a soul sister or brother. And, and you know, it, it's part of the human experience. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I'm like, yeah, show me, like, show me the shit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We need to do that more. Um, and yeah, insta- and you know, Instagram with the kid with teens is, is a little frightening um, to even think about. Um, we have another Facebook user here. I don't think I got that one. Thank you for sharing your gifts with us. So we're talking. I don't know why our names aren't showing up tonight, gang. We still have a couple couple minutes. If you want to um, win a signed copy of my book, you can put in hashtag gratitude. Um, and thank you to those who have gotten it. And for those of you who've reviewed it already, thank you very much. Um, so this is Dr. Kathy Zhang, and she's of the Purpose Filter podcast, um, which is an amazing podcast you can find on all sorts of different platforms. And she's on Instagram at Purpose Filter. Yeah. So um, what are your goals for the podcast? Where would you like to see it go? Um Good question. I'd love to, what I really, and it's going back to the stories, like I just really want to share people's stories of overcoming challenges and get the message out to people that you can just subtle shifts in the way that we see things in our mindset, in our outlook on life can really add up over time and change our lives. Um, and so that I would love for it to just reach more people and grow and, um, whatever comes from it, I would be just super grateful. So, yeah, it's great work you're doing. I know I read, uh, Bronnie Ware's five regrets of the dying. Are there any that you would add to that list that people tell you about that they wish they had done mm-hmm. while they had the, the chance Oh, that's a good one. Those are really good categories. I think a lot of people, a lot of people wish that they had treated like their family. Like, I think that's one of them, but I think people really, they really wish that they had just done, like lived their lives with intention, like on purpose and not just going through the movements. Um, I think everyone, when they get to a certain point in life are just like, you know, 
they they just wish that they had just soaked up as much as they could have right everyone when you get to the end they want more time and of course that's natural right yeah. and that's what that's what anyone wants we all want to live to 165 <laughs> you know yeah yeah and i but so much comes up at the end of life where people are like oh my god i need to tell you know, I need to tell this person that I love them, or I need to tell them that I'm sorry, or, you know, I need to rectify these wrongs. Um, I need to ask for forgiveness, uh, that sort of thing. And people, um, for whatever reason it is, these things go drag on and on and on. And people grow further and further apart for whatever things happen, right? And then only when they're faced with the possibility that they may never be able to have this opportunity to fix things or at least to feel settled with it, even if it can never be fixed, um, to at least say what they need to say. I think that's a that's a regret of the um the dying and the living, to be honest. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about that because I think so so many of us have that family member or that friend that something happened and you don't speak anymore and and i wondered if if people on their you know in their last days sometimes you even forget what you were angry about to begin with right yeah um you know like i had a patient once who um he's he's he actually survived um he was very young in his 30s with covid and he was on a very advanced form of life support um, called ECMO, which is extracorporeal membranous oxygenation, oxygenation, where they just pump your blood out of your body. They oxygenate it and do the work of your heart and lungs essentially outside in a machine, then pump it back oh, wow. to you, like bypass essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was on that so that his um, lungs could rest because his COVID was so severe. And um, his his brother basically told uh, his brother, you know, we were comforting him. He was just crying. I was like, what's happening? And he's like, I need to tell him that he's my brother. And I was like, I don't understand. I thought you were his brother. And he goes, no, no, I am his biological brother. But he thinks that we are like, you know, adopted or something wow. like that. Know that we're actually biological brothers. And he's like, I need to tell him this before he dies. This was when he was very, very sick at the beginning. and. You know, it was just one of those things where it was like, how, how many of us do this where, you know, there's an uncomfortable conversation that we might need to have, or, you know, we're so hell bent on our anger because of um, something that happened in the past that we just hold on to it until, you know, something catastrophic happens and right. it can happen at any time. Right. That's the thing about palliative care too. Like we see people die of cancer, but we see so many people just have accidents and traumas and, you know, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but you just, you know, you don't know. You don't. You really don't. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's helped me with my relationships too. You know, every night, every time I say goodbye to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to tell you that I love you, like, because I don't know what's going to happen, right? It's I can't true. control 
what's going to happen um, and letting go of that control has been something that I'm working on, but that's been very helpful too. Yes. Yes. We work on that a lot too. Letting control freaks trying to let go of control is very freeing, but difficult. <laughs> I, I am a mem- member of that club as well. Yeah. Um, growth mindset can be singular and cumulative. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Thank you for an informative and enjoyable episode, ladies. Thanks, Shannon, for tuning in. This hour is going way too fast. I could listen to Dr. Zang and Lauren all night. Me too. Thanks, me too. So let's see. um, We're at the end of the episode. Unfortunately, let's see. Let's try to. Oh, we have a whole two people that. (laughs) Well, your chances are good. (laughs) Okay, everybody's bought it already. Here we go. Who's going to win? It's either Shannon or Mary. <laughs> and both of you have it already. Hey, hey congratulations, Shannon. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I will get you. I will sign this one for you. Thanks, Shannon. That's awesome. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Dr. Kathy Zhang, one, one more time. You can find her. She is at the, Pur- the Purpose Filter podcast. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. You will get so much out of it. Um, you can also find her on Instagram at purpose filter. Kathy, thank you so much for being here. It's been an incredible, incredibly powerful hour and such great lessons for all of us. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's been, you know, I think it was just, um, so interesting how we met and almost as if it was, this was the, the right time for us to be here. Um, and thank you for all the work that you're doing in your community too. just, um, having this safe space for your, for your members. I think it's wonderful. I like that you said safe space. That's exactly what I try to give everybody. So thank you. Thank you guys. Um, Thank you so much. I hope you come back sometime soon. Good luck with the podcast and I will see you guys. uh, Well, I'll let you know when I'll see you guys next, but um, it'll be before the end of the new year. So if I don't see you before Christmas, happy or Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates and peace and love getting, thanks for being here. Bye. Take care.